probably many of us will keep our home email address constant for, you know, for many, many years. A warm welcome to um, uh, Alan Morahan, um, the Chief Commercial Officer for Punter Southall. Thanks very much for joining us today, Alan. Um, really, appreciate, really appreciate it. Um, if I might, I'm going to do, do a little bit of an intro and then really make this about a few questions I've got. But we, we chatted a week or so ago, actually, it was quite recently, and I was fascinated to understand a bit about some of the activity for you personally in your career through Punter Southall. But I wondered whether, and, and some initiatives, which we're going to come on to in a minute, but I wanted initially, if you could, you were sort of explaining how Punter Southall as a business had evolved and your career, a long and illustrious, successful career with the business. If you could give us firstly, just a bit of a, a scene setter around the business and you within it, because I think that's quite interesting in terms of where it leads, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, uh, Punter Southall uh, as a group is is a very, very interesting place. So it, it started 30 plus years ago with a few people that set up an actuarial practice, um, did so very successfully and um, through the process of dealing with clients came to the realisation that there were other services that they could bring to those clients. And in fact, those those clients were almost asking of those services. And so the business originally grew just by sort of kind of natural progression of of offering additional services such as you know pension admin services, um, mm. institutional fund management, um, private client wealth management, etc. Um, they then started to grow the business even more through through acquisitions, uh, and I joined Punter Southall about eighteen years ago uh, as wow. a result of. The business that I was then then in at the time was a director of a business called Opus Opus Consulting, and we were bought by Punter Southall. Um, and you know, I've I've watched that business continue to grow over those years. Um, we've subsequently gone through through a period of now sort of realising some of the value of those businesses. So so those businesses um, have, have been been sold off. Some of those businesses have been sold off. So. For example, what what is now XBS, um, you know, a big chunk of that was the Punter Southall actuarial and admin business wow. that was sold to Infinity, and and XBS came came out of those two names. So yeah, a very very interesting entrepreneurial, um, yeah, exciting group to have been part of. And it's, and it's interesting because when we chatted through it, what was what was uh, there was a, obviously a common theme there that the. The business had reacted to demand and changed and acquired and evolved uh, based against the things that were changing the market. Um, and one of the one of the things we touched on, and I think you're particularly well known around, of course, because of this this national tracing uh, pension tracing day, which has just just gone past. In a way, it's a shame we couldn't yeah. go slightly ahead of that, 29th of October, for those of you that, that didn't get involved with it. But it, and it's been amazing how that's really been, um, you know, uh, welcomed, definitely, you know, in, in embraced, should we say, by the industry. And um, really interesting to hear when we were chatting around you know, the the mindset and ethic behind that. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a bit more, because, you know, um, what what made you think about this? What, what, what was the drive behind trying to get some... Uh, uh, some attention on that topic when you first first embarked. So I know things have moved on a lot since, and we'll talk yeah. about that too. But where, where did it start? Um, well, well, it started as a result of uh, a business proposition that we already had with within Punter Southall. Um, so, so we have a proposition that we deliver to our clients called Aspire to Retire, 
and aspire to retire is an, an education and engagement service, particularly aimed at, at the over 50s, because we know that people get to the point of retirement and they, they really don't understand what they're going yeah. into and, and what they need to do about it. We will have all heard, you know, within our industry, people saying, I wish I'd have understood this far enough in advance. I could have done things differently, et cetera. So, so we created this proposition, Aspire to Retire, a few years ago. And we mm. run quarterly campaigns on all sorts of different things relating to it. And in early 20, uh, 2021, one of my colleagues who was working uh, uh, on the Aspire to Retire proposition came to me having seen an article in the Sunday Times about lost and forgotten pensions. And as she said mm. to me, you know, look, you know, look at this. It's, it, there's a huge volume of, of lost pensions out there. I think, I think it was determined at about 19 billion at the, at the time. This, this could make a, a good campaign for Aspire to retire. And I thought it was a fabulous idea and I was fully supportive of it. And at that time, we had about 4,000 members on, on Aspire to retire. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, actually, we're not going to touch the signs of the problem that sits out there with 4,000 yeah. members. I wonder whether we could create a national initiative for, around this. So, yeah. so, so that's that's where, that's that's where, where the, idea, the idea came from. It, you know, it went from you know a good idea for for a small proposition within Punter Southall to actually there, there could be a wider application for this if we could get it right. Um, that's really that's really cool that you, you actually you actually did something about it. I mean, because you said. It's the, that's one of the things that, you know, over a long, to say, long career in, in, in financial services and success, there's, there's some things that are persistent, aren't they? Which is that sometimes change is not as active, as quick as we all want it to be, but it needs someone to actually drive it and make it happen. So it's fabulous you actually picked the mantle up and did something about it because, you know, fast forwarding now, I think, you know, you've got fabulous support from some big names. I think Hargreaves and Royal London and other, you know, big pension providers, big uh, active investment uh, names in the market behind it. Who are some of the others that are involved, just for everyone's purpose, you know, for reference, some fab, fab connections? Well, well, I mean, if, if I can go back to, to those early early days. Um, so, you know, I was thinking, how do we turn this into an, a, a national initiative? And I knew that I needed to get the backing of, you know, some heavyweights because, you know, frankly, as, as well known as Punter Southall might be within our world, you know, outside of, the, the pension industry were not well known at all. And I just didn't think it would get the the sort of impetus behind it. So so I initially approached uh, Aegon Legal and General, Scottish Widows and Standard Life. And off the back of one pitch, they were 100% behind me. They they just loved the idea of it. I, I particularly, and it remains this, I particularly pitched it as a CSR type initiative. You know, Punter Southall were not going to offer a service that was going to generate income for the business off the back of of, of tracing pensions. I genuinely f- felt and feel yeah. that people should be able to do do this um, for themselves. So those were our initial backers, and, and since then we've got Aviva, um, Argreaves, Lansdowne, Royal London, Smart Pension, and the People's Pension have, have all yeah. have all um, supported us, and so we've got none. Yeah. You know, supporters now, and it's made a huge amount of difference. And it's, um, yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's genuinely but, is something now. It's you know the third yeah. year, and 
we we got Martin Lewis talking about it. So that's <laughs> that that that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's got to be a good thing. That, so, that so, was I mean, year one objective. It took three years, but we got there. Suppose <laughs> there is a good objective. But I mean, in terms, just just for the purposes, you know, I, I know our, you know our uh, our podcast, you know, this this whole sense of identity thing, which is what we we hook as our, our theme is about the people in the industry businesses and what they're doing in the industry these yeah, these are important and interesting topics but i just i have a feeling that this is you know as probably more in, in, uh, pertinent actually friend consumers you know now that was your driver and that you you talked about that was fabulous because i think consumers drive everything in my opinion they should um as they've done through punter southall's history and through this project but for the purposes of those that are perhaps less than um uh, familiar with what happens at the pensions i a bit i'm a bit of a layman i guess but it, the door, I know the dormant asset legislation was extended around some of these topics. Is is does that capture, uh, you know, pensions as a topic in relation to what happens to funds if they're not repatriated to end consumers? Can you share any sort of, um, you know, uh, knowledge and expertise around that stuff? Yeah. So, so it, I mean, in the main, the the assets are just going to remain sitting w- with the providers or the schemes. You're you're right. The dormant asset scheme has now been opened up. Um, to be able to take pension assets and and, and other assets, um, but it's quite restricted um, at the moment right. in terms of whether pension assets could move to the dormant asset scheme. So the the situations where they could move um, are largely based around the death of the individual for whom that those wow. those assets um, were, or if. The um, contractual term of the pension has elapsed for at least seven years, and there's right. a contact. So at the right. moment, th- those are the only situations where money could be used and moved into the dormant asset scheme. Um, right. Aside from that, the money is just sitting with the providers, and and that they are making good efforts, genuine efforts to try and trace people. I remember in that initial conversation, I was speaking to. To someone at Standard Life, and she told me that she has kind of serious invoices going across her desk for forensic tracing services. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, and the success is not as as great as you might imagine. I guess GDPR, etc., makes it a little mm. bit difficult, you know, a bit harder, to, yeah, to track these people down. And 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 despite these efforts, I know the numbers have risen as well. I think you mentioned when you first embarked on this; it's not that long ago, nineteen million. I saw some other numbers. Have you got estimates now? Of, what that's reached is extraordinary. Yeah. Isn't it? So, so, so the the article that that my um, colleagues, the Johanna, um, saw in in twenty twenty one, related to some um, uh, analysis that had been carried out in twenty eighteen, and at that point they reckoned it was about nineteen billion. Um, we, along with a couple of other organisations. Um, uh, sponsored the PPI, the, the Pension Policy Institute, to do that work again. And last year they determined it was just shy of £27 billion. And, and there's something like, I'll just get the f- figures right, there's something like 2.8 million lost or forgotten pension pots out there. I mean, it's... And actually, uh, you know, I think that's probably an underestimate of, of the yeah. actual quantum because... You know they're they're pulling data in from various sources, but it's not industry wide. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So they're extrapolating to those figures and and are probably underplaying it. You know, naturally. Yeah, yeah. 
and, and I guess also enrollment and the fact that, you know, we've got lots of small parts. I know I'm, I'm going to get a talk or hopefully you'll talk a little while. There was an example you cited. We'll come back to in a second because yeah. I thought that was fascinating. But what do you think some of the challenges are behind that then? Because so, I know we, we, we sort of continue, continue to see, I've seen over many years now, efforts from various courts to sort of move initiatives forward around this thing. You know, pension dashboard obviously being the, the big cry out one. And I think, I think it, you know, with that being delayed, this, you know, the scheme connectivity sort of compulsions even being moved back to sort of late in, is it 26, I think, actually. But what, what, what do you think some of the challenges have been around that in terms of why is dashboard been so problematic and you know is it that age-old thing again talking about age-old problems around data and access and all that stuff is, is it if, any, any your thoughts around that yeah well i mean it's absolutely that and 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 you know that be- better than i you know with, with with the business that you run there but but it's also you know it, it needs to be all pensions and and many pension mm. uh, schemes you know they they you know that they're, they're dormant they're they're not active um a lot, lot of it was kind of paper driven for an awful long, long period of time. You know, mm. the data hasn't been kept up to date for those schemes to track down those those kind of lost members. You know, it's a really, yeah. really, really big, big task. And you know, when yeah. you get a situation where, where you know, on average, people are, are moving ten or eleven times during their during their lives, then you can you can understand how people can get disenfranchised from from those pension pots. Yeah, you can get. I mean, it's. Um, I, I, I haven't moved home. I'm pleased to say for quite a long time. But I do remember the last time I did it, and I've spoken to others since when they sort of said, you know, it's not easy trying to let everybody know that you've interacted with it, you've moved, um, and 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 I can actually you can very easily see at a human level, can't you, how yeah. you can lose contact and and uh, yeah, I mean, which 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 I, I totally understand from that side of things. And and how, and how do you see that evolving? forward because i know as, as i say you gave me a brilliant example i'm, I'm trying to think there's some sort of media contact and a someone had phoned in and, and where you've been trying to nurse them i guess along the process of wrestling with this paperwork trail and you know why well, how do you i think it might be worth sharing that because i thought it was quite yeah. interesting well, well well so that came about um uh so that came through through our w- website so we we established a a, a website nationalpensiontracingday.co.uk so it's an open site again uh emphasize there's that there's no service on there that that you know people need to pay for or anything else that, that it, it's all on there um but we invite people to put their stories in so if they have been successful in 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 tracing last lost pensions and, and about six weeks or so ago we got a story through through there which i think is absolutely classic so uh, a chap by the name of kerry hatton he's based down in 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 somerset and and he told us that he had um traced six pensions and the quantum of those pensions was only eight thousand pound um yeah so he, you know he, he absolutely emphasizes that there's all these small pots out there that people had forgotten about but that eight thousand pound was a meaningful amount. He meaningful, and, absolutely, and enabled, enabled him to do something that he wouldn't have ordinarily or previously been been mm. able to do. And yeah. you know, so we have had examples of people that tracked down sixty and eighty thousand pound. But I actually loved that example of someone tracing six pensions worth a total of only eight thousand pound. But but it's his eight thousand pound, and it's right that he should have it. And 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 what was also lovely, and uh, we we we've now got that that story on on the website, was he actually found the process not too difficult, and he said that 
interacting with the organisations that he had to, they were almost delighted that he had found them. And, you know, I suppose, yeah. frankly, if you're a feeble standard life or whatever, you don't really want to be administering a pension pot of a thousand pounds. It's it's yeah, better yeah. off your books, really. So yeah, yeah. you know, almost everyone's a winner on it. So I I thought it was you know it was very much what we set out to achieve. You know, people of of all descriptions will have lost pensions, but but those those people for whom eight thousand pound um, makes a meaningful difference. It's yeah. kind of warms the cockles in my heart. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. I get that. Particularly, I mean, particularly when you've got, you know, sort of the living sort of crisis and everything else going on around us, you know, that that's a really meaningful amount of money for anybody, isn't it? Yeah. So, 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 particularly, and 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 I, I was looking at the video. There's a little video snippet you've got on the uh, National Pension Tracing Day. uk just to give that out again, which is quite cool because I mean, it just talks about backtracking the chronology of your employment life and trying to find snippets of paper and. Yeah, which is not easy because you know in a lot of cases you know uh, a lot of people i'm sure do what we've all done historically which is to have all those bits of paper shuffled somewhere in a in a filing cabinet but if you can go through the the process of trying to find that stuff then actually it doesn't have to be as complicated as perhaps some others have uh have suggested but do, do, do you think from a pension dashboard perspective you know i mean i appreciate and and you you said this earlier on there there's a there's a legacy of, of a lot of schemes out there that have functioned, you know, for a long tip period of time. In some cases, hundreds of years, for one gather, on on a, on a relatively archaic sort of system. It's not easy to bring that up today. And is that is that is that a challenge that they're going to be able to face within the timelines that are set out under pension dashboard and the current uh, timetable? What you know, what are your thoughts around that? Well, well, I mean, we know we know that it's been massively challenging thus far. And I I uh, read read something from the PMI. Uh, just yesterday, a, a, a report from the PMI, um, which, which seemed to demonstrate that the progress is now now definitely being made, and I, I and I suppose um, as it's become, you know, people have become more aware of the importance and value that we can get from pension dashboards. Um, mm. There's there's probably a little bit more emphasis emphasis being placed on getting the data right, etc. Um, yeah, and, and frankly. You know these organisations, schemes, etc. They've got to do it. I mean, the the yeah the pressure is going to be there, and and you can understand also why the regulator, pensions regulator, has been so keen to get sort of small schemes, etc., kind of mopped up and into master trusts, etc. Because you know trying to to regulate these kind of you know very small schemes with you know trustees probably long gone, etc. It, yeah, it's just not efficient use of of, of their resources. So, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, they'll get there in the end. But uh, I mean, mm. when when I first moved to National Pension Tracing Day, a couple of people said, "Well, pension dashboards will will sort that out." Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. slightly late, but you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you think of the intervening area, just then it'd be really. Uh, you're pr- probably you're never going to know the stats, which is unfortunate, really. But in terms of vi- bringing visibility to this, and 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 in terms of the process people follow, I know that video is a good one. But you know, it, you talked about you know just trying to trying to look back on on that history. I mean, most of us do remember where we worked. I mean, I know you said you know you move home ten or eleven times. It's likely you potentially move employers more often these days, perhaps than we used to. But yeah, is it is it literally that a matter of trying to do that? Work back in your life and think where you were. And and contact the right people. I mean, 
Yeah, I th- uh, uh, yeah, I think that has to be the the starting point. Is is map it map it out? Um, you know, so all the places you worked, have you got any pensions relating to those? So some of you may not have qualified for a pension, and that, that's absolutely the the the, the, the case. But uh, but I also think now with social media, um, there is that opportunity to to even trace down old colleagues. So so mm. you know, even if you haven't got the paperwork, you might know the Pete or Joe or someone else, but yeah, um, you know, so you can contact them and say, look, you know, I'm I'm trying to sort of get my my financial affairs in order. I can't remember whether we had a pension at X Y Z. Do you do you recall? So you know that that's certainly one way way of doing it. There is the government pension tracing service, so so you, you know there's that to go to. But you do need to know sort of you need a starting point of, mm. of what you're looking for. But I yeah. think that's important. There's all, there's also the factor, and and I think there'll be loads of these out there of people having contracted out through the 80s and 90s. So so yeah, that, that. They, they, they yeah that they, they won't have actually felt that themselves because they ca- they continue to pay national insurance as they always did. They wouldn't have seen you know they won't look at a pay slip and see that there was any difference. But but some of that national insurance would have been rebated into perhaps a personal pension arrange, arrangement. And because people themselves weren't physically paying to it, there was no direct debit leaving their account, whatever, um, but they could easily have lost sight of that. So so again, mm. um, you know, if people get a state pension forecast, the state pension forecast will normally tell them, well, I think will always tell them whether they had a period of time when they were contracted out. And as a result of being contracted out, their state pension will be reduced. And that's that's right. the first port of call to say, well, actually, if that's the case in your case, then where is then, it? Yeah, you need to go looking for it, and you know, yeah, yeah. Not, that that you know that might be more difficult in that situation, but it's it's got to be worth a try. Bit of bit bit of a, bit of a treasure hunt with a, with a, with a nice pot of gold at the end of it in some way, and it's got to be worthwhile. What 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 are pension providers doing, or, or probably equally? What should they be doing to keep those members engaged in the short and long term in the context of their pensions? Have you got thoughts around that? Well, well I, I mean, I, I think nowadays they, they do an awful lot to try and keep, keep members in, engaged. I mean, you know, obviously there's, there's, a, there's a real incentive to the providers to keep funds with them, et cetera. So, so they're all doing a lot more and are able to do a lot more than they were previously. So, you know, I think things like email addresses, we probably, many of us will keep our home email address constant for, you know, for many, many years. We might we mm. might move three or four times, but we're still still retaining the same email address. So that opportunity to stay in contact is is much easier. Um, but, but for, you know, the pensioners from the past, that they, they are finding it, they are genuinely finding it difficult. You know, they they get go gone away letters returned from 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 Royal Mail, etc. You know, where do they go from then? If if those if those letters are passed on by the the, the new homeowners of those places, then yeah, that it proves very very difficult. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. It's uh, it, it, ma- it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the the, the bit for me that I was I really thought was fantastic was the. You know, obviously, I'm a massive lover of tech. I can't help myself. I love gadgets and I love yeah. new tech and all those things. But yeah, sometimes, I, I, I've, I've certainly got that impression, Paul. I, I, I <laughs> know that. Yeah, yeah, a bit, bit, a bit, 
sometimes I think what is uh, lost is just the practicality of of whatever you're doing, and 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 pensions and pension dashboard and the surrounding subjects. So, uh, you know, what what I thought was really fabulous was just some of the advice that's come off the site, and obviously this is all instigated by you and Punter Southall, was just a really practical ground level look. You know. Try and think about yeah, it, it, some of the, the, the nudges you've just given us. You know, it, it's not all about tech, and sadly, tech can't solve a lot of these problems. If the data doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. So, so I think that was for me the reason that you know, what really resonated that people were practically thinking, well, where do I start? Because actually, I think as a subject, it's quite alien for consumers. So, I applaud you for setting the thing up, and even more so for getting the market and the industry to engage, because that's not an easy thing to do. So, uh, yeah, quite quite amazing. Um, just in sort of summing up, if that's okay, I mean, and I, I don't, I'm not even sure whether my colleague had said this up. I always like to close these these conversations out with uh, with some words of wisdom from 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 our guests. So, if you if you were able to look back on your younger years and give yourself a bit of advice, and not just about making sure you take a pension and keep it tracked, because that one's that you know we covered that one. What 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 would it be? Do you think? Any any, any thoughts about li- listening yeah. back to all the experiences? <laughs> so so that wasn't set up. Um, well well I, I mean it, it's something I've re- reflected on um, uh, quite a bit and and, I, and I've spoken about it on LinkedIn etc. And I suppose it, you know one of the things I would probably have to say is is to be a bit more confident about my own abilities than than mm. than I. Have demonstrated at times, so you know. I I suppose I would I would sit in that classic uh, category of kind of uh, suffering from imposter syndrome at times, and and you know particularly when you when you move into a business like Punter Southall, you know I've I've sat in in rooms with 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 colleagues with brains the size of small planets, and and you know I I, I have felt cracking. You know what what am I doing here? But but gradually over time, I found that there is a reason that I'm there. You know, I bring different different skills, knowledge, you know, as different viewpoints, and and I'm I had a valued piece within that yeah. within that board or, or whatever it would be. Um, and I think it took me a while to get to that that realization. And and one of the other things I do within Punter Southall is I, I run a our um. Along with colleagues, our um, our, our uh, mental health or well-being program that we call By Your Side, and we we focus on a different topic each month. And this year, we focused on imposter syndrome, and we've recently surveyed a people's view of the program that we've run this year. And imposter syndrome was one of the most appreciated topics that we've covered. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, because because I think a lot of people, you know, do almost hold themselves back because they don't know whether they're 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 worthy enough to be in the room at that table or whatever it might be. So that's and it's it is so important. I think, I think that's a fabulous one, and I'm sure I'm sure my colleagues will put a collage of these together at the end of the year because we've had some really brilliant snippets. So in in some cases, the those sort of um, human uh, pieces are. Are as valuable as everything else. I mean, you know, obviously you're a I think my my take is you're very much a consumer champion about doing the right thing around uh, around uh, around the topic that you've been so close to and an expert on, and uh, and therefore you know, like you say, ha- having that mix of voices and allowing everyone to be heard is so important. So uh, so that's a fabulous one. Um, 
Listen, thank you so much again, Alan, for agreeing to do this. I, I, well, I, I, I always put people on the spot. Um, so, uh, yeah, Alan Moran, many thanks for joining our podcast. It's brilliant. Thank you very much for inviting me, Paul. I really enjoyed it. <laughs>